spirits are about to speak. I, I don't know either. Welcome, listeners, to Podcast of One Day. Hello, everyone. Hey, guys. How's it going? So, uh, so, uh, well, that's uh, because I feel like I have to. <clears throat> Stefan Amell, you have failed this union. Oh, Christ. Uh. <laughs> I, so... I want you to know, I just discovered today that the guy standing over his own gravestone was a fucking arrow meme, and I literally did not know about that for... Yeah, uh, I mean, I knew that was, like, I knew, like, the actor was, like, from The Flash, I didn't realize it was physically a bit from Arrow. I mean, I, I, mean, I didn't see the last two seasons, so I had no idea what happened to either wild i don't think it really matters what matters is hey maybe don't speak your thoughts out about how you're sad you can't promote your thing because there's an actor's strike and stand in solidarity and shut the fuck up that's a extremely boneheaded move nobody's watching heels anyway because nobody has stars in 2023 come on it's kind of fucked up that this is ironically good marketing for the show the problem is marketing the show right now is being a scab. So, oops. Uh, have fun not working again. Well, if it was any consolation, he could always team up with a certain other scabber out there uh, making the rounds on uh, terrible people's platforms about how the whole world is unfair to him and how he's going to sexually molest a Barbie doll for some reason. I, I cannot explain to you how that is maybe one of the most upsetting and cringy things I've ever seen him do. And given how much of the last four, God forbid, we're going on five years of this shit has been, that's saying a lot. Once this is all finished, and it will inevitably will finish... We really need somebody to document this entire stupid escapade of um, the dick man out there. Just Is that not what the thread knot's for? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but in video form. I, I, guess, I guess that's just Mars Girls cross to bear at this point. Uh, it, it, will, it will happen one day. Someone will do it. And... Um... <sighs> You could have just shut up, you know? You could have just shut up and gone away. But no, you had to be a man and try and sue your way to a uh, self-fulfilling victory that was doomed to fail. It is seriously possible he could have had a career still if he had just laid low. Ego is a hell of a drug. Yep, it sure is. It is an unbelievable hell of a drug. It is garbage in various ways, but uh, we're not here to talk about that. You know, not until we get an update from this uh, very stupid lawsuit saga that's still not over yet. Oh my god, how is it still not over? Because the legal system is very, very slow. Oh, Christ. Believe me, I feel that with all of the uh, indictments that are finally happening, but oh my god. Uh, can the Fed subpoena Vince McMahon one more time for me, please? It feels like it's coming. I don't care that he had spinal surgery. Get him! If you don't, God will. And he's not going up there. Mm. In any case... Yes, we are back after uh, only one week away because 
Otacon happened, and lots of cool things were announced, of which uh, only two companies were actually able to announce uh, things. Yeah, I think it's mostly just the fact that summer is kind of a big, big time for anime conventions in general now. It always is. But, like, all of them are pretty much in full swing again. Though I will say, with full caution, it's kind of sounding like we're going to get a bit of a a wave coming on again. I'm seeing a number of guests who were going to these, or were at these, suddenly getting the uh, the little red marks when they do the uh. tests again. So, stay, if you're doing these cons, I'm not going to say stop doing these cons, I just did a con two weeks ago, I'm just saying... We're seeing some spikes again. Play it a little cautiously, just in case. You know, my line of work involves me walking around people all day, going into uh, rooms with people in them. Three and a half years in, still nothing. I don't know what I'm doing right. Wait, have you not had it yet? N- no. Got yourself very lucky, man. You work in the hotel industry. How the fuck? Well, I, I make it a point to uh, stay away from people. But again, I don't know what I'm doing right. Uh, I'm actually impressed. How in the... Wow. <sighs> All right. Good on yeah. you, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm a homebody, but... Uh, yeah, uh, so... Uh, after that uh, preamble, we might, we might as well uh, get started with uh, this Dog and Pony show, and we will start with a, a brief bit of movie talk, of which uh, only one of us actually got to see it because of uh, various circumstances, and in my case, the circumstances out of my control, because holy shit, why do cars cost so much money? See, my circumstances was that I turned 27, and I saw not one but two shows in theaters for my birthday weekend. Uh, happy belated birthday, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, one was here. One was more local. The other was seeing a closing of a uh, show, basically closing because it was something, it was a play that uh, Steph wanted to see and she thought she was going to have a little more time. So she's like, can we do it on the last day? It's right after your birthday, but can we? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, not knowing anything about it, but I knew it was kind of like a horror play called Grey House. It was a really good production. actually did a pretty good job at making it like creepy and unsettling. And if I told you that one of the producers in the playbill was Matt Pat, would you believe me? Nothing surprised me anymore. I believe we've talked about this earlier. I think we did. Okay. It's still, it's still very strange to me, but I'm like, hey, they did a good do- job with it, and... Mm. I got can officially say I have uh, seen a show on closing night. That's a new one. But yes, I am 27 now. I'm not yet at the age where everything hurts, but I see it in my line of sight. Yep. On that note, the first slam dunk. It's been in theaters for uh, about a week. Jet, you saw it. How was it? Uh, so, uh, gonna preface this with something that might sound a little bit bold, but bear with me here. So, uh, so across the Spider-Verse, absolutely my favorite movie of the year, like, beyond question, like, absolute masterpiece, just, uh, real, uh, really amazing cinema, cinema, just really groundbreaking, really paving the way for 3D CG animation, truly amazing. Uh, I would say, 
uh, I had no real expectations coming into the first time done, but walking out of it, I can safely say it is probably my second Dragonvert movie of the year, and the gap is actually not as wide as you would expect it to be. Really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah and it's really kind of hard to describe exactly what it wor- what works about this movie, because, like, I feel like if we were to describe it to you, it feels like it absolutely just should not work on any level. Uh, because uh, the main structure of this movie is uh, based around... Okay, well, obviously, if you don't know what Slam Dunk is, it is a basketball manga, but really, uh, uh, really important one, probably the basketball manga, especially if you're a Johnny Jump person. But, uh, uh, but uh, anyway, so, so, uh, so this is a reinterpretation of one of the matches for the manga. But not just any match for the manga. Specifically, it is the final game of the manga that they sent her that they sent her this around. What? Yeah, which is already which is already a pretty wild thing. And not only did they do that, instead of centering it around the main character of the manga, it is centered around one of the other players on the team. The movie is reframed around one of the other members of the team instead of the actual series protagonist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and the majority of the movie is this game, and uh, uh, in a way it's structured, it's mostly the game, but we occasionally, like, flashback to uh, this character's, like, childhood and, he'll, and uh, his whole relationship with his family, which is, like, uh, uh, which, uh, which is really, uh, which is uh, really interesting, we learned that his, uh, we learned that his older brother was, like, the one who taught him how to play basketball, and he kind of, uh, passed away in an accident, and the family is kind of uh, having a hard time, sort of uh, coping with the loss, and that's like a pretty big portion of the movie. So yeah, so yeah, so we have yeah, so we kind of uh, splice back and forth between that and the actual game, and uh, a little bit of uh, backstory with some of the other characters who fight the battle. And again, when I describe that to you, it feels like it's something that should not work, much less feel like a standalone film, but. It does work, and weirdly, I can safely say that if you have not seen Slam Dunk before, it is a surprisingly good introduction. I have read, like, maybe two volumes of Slam Dunk, and this was, like, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, so I don't don't remember anything about it, and surprisingly, I was able to follow this just fine, and, like, I walked away really impressed. It was a really, really good movie. So uh, what is is the author's name again? uh, Takahiro Yohan. So what you're telling me is Takahiro Inoue is a fucking magic man. Because Uh, not only is he the author of Slam Dunk, he's the author of a series called Real, he's also the author of Vagabond, and this is also his directorial debut. Yep, uh, he wrote and directed this himself, which, again, sounds really crazy, especially for what would otherwise be a a normal Shonen Jump movie, but I... But uh, he did it, and he absolutely knows what he's doing. There's some really, really good directed scenes in this movie. Like, uh, he has a really good sense of like dramatic tension. There's a lot of, there's a lot more like really good quiet moments in this movie than you would expect from a show to jump thing. But it's like, it, it, it's real good cinema. And uh, they, as I like, uh, but I haven't watched, but I haven't talked about the thing that's like really amazing, which is the thing you would actually not expect: the animation. Like, uh, so, so again, uh, we, look, we, we've all talked about 3D TV and animates. 
It's a, it, it's a proof of lot, but it can be pretty rough. And when it's rough, it is really rough. So, like, it's, so I was really surprised by, by how good the 3D CG in this movie was. Like, straight up, some of the best I have ever seen in anime, and frankly, some of the most inventive I might have seen in general, because uh, I was reading up a little bit, uh, I was reading one of the articles about this movie, and something I found interesting about the way they approach the animation is that, uh, Apparently, they use a little bit of like motion capture and rotoscoping to kind of help with the. I can believe that. I can believe that for this, especially. Yeah, to help with the flow of the basketball game and to like give it a little and to uh, give the flow of the game a little bit more realism. And you can you can really feel it. Like it actually feels like you are watching a basketball game up close. Like the like the physics feel like incredibly realistic. I was amazed. So I have a question for you, Jet, because. We've had this discussion on this podcast, but especially you and us together. We have long since speculated that the Dragon Ball Super movies are basically animation test pilots for new concepts and visual styles for Toei Animation Anime. I think we were very much in agreement that Super Broly was the prototype to One Piece Wano. Is Superhero the prototype to the first slam dunk? Uh, as I, as I, I mean, they're both really well animated, but I don't really feel the style of animation they're going for is that similar. As you I, think I, it is a different style completely? Yeah, uh, yeah, like, yeah, like the stuff in Superhero was like it looked really good, but it was still a little bit more cartoony and exaggerated. Uh, the animation here is a lot more realistic. Okay, I was curious about that because I was thinking about that earlier, but so. If I saw this movie, so this is a magic movie that should not work, but is works perfectly. Uh, yeah, uh, easily like the. Okay, I, I, I hate saying like change up movie because it kind of sets a very low expectation, but it's like, oh uh, yeah, I think this uh, stands apart is like my new favorite change up movie. Honestly, it's like a really good standalone film in general. I was really impressed with it and. Like, again, I had no real expectations, but... I think it is, for everything I hear about it, it feels actively incorrect or false to call this a Shonen Jump movie adaptation. Everything I have heard, everything I have been told, is this is fucking art cinema. Yeah, surprisingly. So, once this, if you miss it in theaters, buy this Blu-ray blind, just fucking do it, just fucking do it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah. I would say it is definitely worth seeing in theaters if you can, uh, just because, like, um, so, uh, like I know we talked a lot about the animation, but a lot of the like way that, a lot of the sound design is also really good too. Like, there's some really, uh, uh, there's some really good use of sound in the movie that is such like really excellent if you see it in theaters. Gotcha. So, would you agree with the assessment from uh, this one guy who was at an AW show last weekend? <laughs> the first slam dunk greater than Spider Verse? Not better than Spider Verse, but it, but again, it is a very close second for my favorite movie of the year. So, <laughs> what? Though there is at least enough plausible like strength of both that it's at least to be considered instead of dismissed. Yeah, yeah, it is much more comparable than you would think it would be. And, and uh, yeah, I see now why this movie has, like, been winning a bunch of awards in Japan. It is very, 
Wow, Earth. I wouldn't say. Didn't the manga re-release of Slam Dunk also become like one yes, of the top selling manga? Yes, it did. We mentioned that. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I gotta say this. Yeah, and on that note, the movie did a very important thing. It actually made me really interested in reading the manga. So, like, uh, get on it. So the main character is that the one uh, Ben Balmaceda plays. Oh uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, he's he's a lot of fun. He's a lot of fun in the movie. Uh, they do, like I said before, he is kind of relegated. Uh, like he is kind of framed in more of a supporting role, while the black overall detective of the game is still the same. But I, uh, but uh, the character itself is still a lot of fun. He still has the right amount of energy. It's uh, he he he's a lot. He's really great whenever he's on screen. And uh, the character we actually follow, uh, Ryota Miyagi, is. Uh, Played by Paul Castro Jr. and his performance is really good. I, I've heard him in a couple of things. I've heard Paul in a couple of things. I know he is basically the Beast in Bell, but I've heard him in a couple other things. And yeah, no, good, good on him. Yeah, yeah. The thing I probably know him best for is uh, the main character in uh, Neo: The World Is With You. Which, oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, not quite as memorable as the first one, but still a solid game. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember that actually. I also know Alex Lee and Jonah Scott are part of, like, the main team, and did you see that print Alex Lee commissioned of his character from Slam Dunk and uh, his character from Kuriko's Basketball doing a fucking, like, what was it, a Lakers pose? I will send uh, this to you in a bit, but it, it was it was delightful. But, uh, anyway, long story short, uh, definitely see the Slam Dunk if you can, whenever that comes out on Blu-ray, like... It is absolutely worth a blog by it's a real good movie. Uh, by by the way, uh the pose you're looking for, um Dwayne Wade and LeBron James playing for the Miami Heat. That's what it is. Thank you kindly. I do not know the sports. I appreciate you uh checking. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a fun that's a fun print idea. major respect to you, Alex. Yeah. That's why I'm the sports ball guy. I know all about the uh, uh the baskets and the hand egg. But I am at least able to step up as one of the guys who knows about the anime and the latest and greatest in English dubs. Yep, this is all you, so go ahead and run down the summer season. I don't know how long it's going to take, so just um, don't take too long. Okay, doll? Thanks. I'm going to do my best. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Man, this summer season doesn't look fantastic. It, it doesn't. There's a couple of cool things here and a couple of sequels I'm interested and in probably going to check out, but there's a couple of omissions, like Undead Murder Farce is like the biggest, why is this one not getting a dub? This one looked extremely cool and easy to do, but that's the biggest disappointment. I'm also not going to mention uh, Zom 100 here because that one technically hasn't started, but I guess that one would count. I guess as far as uh, the seasonal simul dubs, but this is majority crunchy. Majority. So we're gonna start us off going into our not one but two same day simul dubs of the season. First simul dub of the season is the second season of Masamune Kun's Revenge, which like. That was in January of 2017. 
and I completely forgot everything about it. I literally took a look at the cast and it was like, okay, Jesse James Greel's back, uh, Morgan LeRae's back, Monica Rial's back, Justin Briner, Megan Shipman. I, I didn't even remember several of the people who were in this cast were reprising. I was like, w- they were in that? Oh, oh, I guess they're back. Cool, good, good for them, good for them. I, I didn't care about this show, but hey, it's got a same-day simuldub. Anyways, I will go into our new additions to the cast, who are apparently both French. Muriel Besson and Frank Besson. Uh, Muriel is being played by a newer name, actually. Her name is Rochelle May. You'll have heard her as Olga Calmeria in The Fruits of Evolution and Ron Ron, the Judgment Princess, in Love After World Domination. And her brother Frank Besson is Derek Snow, who you'll know as Shinra in Fire Force and Nagara in Sunny Boy, because I'm going to take a chance to shout out Sunny Boy. Why not? This one is being directed. Uh, the original director was Alexis Tipton, but she is not a full-time director at Crunchyroll Studios or Funimation Studios, whatever. You know what I mean. Uh, but instead, this is being helmed now by one Jade Saxton, who is directed for shows such as Love After World Domination, Laidback Camp, and Interviews with Monster Girls, just to name a few. So yeah, that's Masamune's Kun's Revenge. To the fans of you who got more Masamune's Kun, I'm... I'm happy for you and 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 i mean jesse's back i mean she's she's always good in every single anime she's in so good on her also our second same day simul dub is a show called my unique skills make me op even at <laughs> level one it's an isekai it is an isekai it, it, it yeah I don't know he dies at his desk and he's uh <sighs> playing the main character Ryota is a new name actually uh Patrick M- Mealy or Maley I'm not sure which is which uh you've heard them in roles such as Tezuka in a mime or at the borderline and here's a fun one. Serious Hiver in Gamer World Reincarnation. Do either of you know what Gamer World Reincarnation is? Uh, I have no clue, no. Nope. Thi- okay, I'm gonna tell you who licensed it, and then you'll know. This little short and dub was licensed by one Ascendant Animation. Okay, that is what Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, so... I know what you're talking about now. So, yes, technically speaking, this is Patrick's second lead because they're a lead in Gamer World Reincarnation, which a lot of spicy things go up. I just wanted to bring that up because I think that's fun. Uh, Good for you, Patrick. Congratulations on your first uh, Crunchyroll lead dub role. I can't pretend I care about this show. Also, uh, starring alongside them is uh, Kelsey Maher, who plays Emily. I think she has a hammer or something. I don't care. Uh, she plays Kaori in I Got Cheat Skill and Machi Kuka in A Galaxy Next Door. 
Uh, this features the voices of Trisha Mellon, Brittany Lauda, Dusty Feeney, Major Attaway, and Kelly Greenshield, just to name a few. This dub is being directed by... Mike McFarland. What? Yeah, the director of Chainsaw Man, Hell's Paradise, Attack on Titan, One Piece, basically the most senior director at Crunchyroll Dallas. They handed him a same-day simuldub for... A show called My Unique Skills Make Me OP Even at Level 1. Uh, I guess he had to do his Isekai Browns eventually. I mean, I, I guess when you do like a big show for... Now he's just like... I, I guess he'll take a breather and do a little Isekai. But I'm just like... Could you at least have given him one of the better looking ones? Sure. 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 Ayaka is another one that, by the way, like four of these all premiered on the same day, by the way. This is the third one to premiere on the same day. Ayaka is a show by Studio Blanc that was made by the original creators of K-Project. If that means anything to anybody. Uh, that is neat. Yes, so this the writers of creators of K-Project made Ayaka. So we have four leading we have four leading performers in Ayaka. Uh, playing the character of Yukito is one Dallas Reed, who you'll know as Asta in Black Clover and Satoshi Fukube in Hyoka. Playing the role of Jinji is Landon McDonald, who you'll know as Rampo Itagawa in Bungo Stray Dogs, and Kazuki Kurusu in Buddy Daddies. Kurama is being played by one underrated actor, I'd think, Oscar Sayoung, who has played characters like Kyoji in Sasuke and Miyano, and Mitsumada, the good little snake boy in Ranking of Kings, and Ibiki is one Alex Home, who has played characters like Kunigami in Blue Lock, and the main character Yoshida in Higahiro, I stopped shaving, shaving and brought home a high schooler, I forgot how the full title of that goes, that's the one I'm talking about. Uh, this dub features the voices of Corey Wilder, Hayden Daviau, Kent Williams, Lexi Naito, Kieran Strange, Marcus Stimmick, and Bev Magado, just to name a couple. Uh, this one is being directed by one Helena Wallstrom, one of the new uh, directors at Crunchyroll. Uh, she's directed stuff like My Clueless First Friend and In Another World with My Smartphone Season 2, also being assisted by Kevin Thuwell. Fourth show that premiered on the same day, My Tiny Senpai, which basically, it's basically my senpai is annoying, but instead of the senpai being a big, beefy guy, the senpai is a uh, top-heavy, tiny girl. Which it is funny that I mentioned... uh, my Senpai is annoying because our lead character, Shinazaki, is played by one Mark Allen Jr., who's actually Sota in My Senpai is Annoying, and also Ukio in Dr. Stone. If I had a nickel for every time Mark Allen Jr. was a featured character in a romantic comedy about a tiny, tiny office worker, I have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird, it's happened twice. 
and the tiny senpai. <laughs> it's really weird. It's it's a strange like it's so weird that that's happened twice. I'm not upset. I'm just like oh, that's odd. Uh, Chiori, the tiny top heavy senpai, is Megan Shipman, who you'll know as Anya in Spy Family and La Brava in My Hero Academia. This dub features the voices of Rico Fajardo, Mallory Rodock, and Kylie Zimmerer. And this dub is being directed by the same directing duo that's directing Ayaka. Both Helena Wallstrom and Kevin Thuwell are also working on this one. And then there's Horamiya, The Missing Pieces. Yay! I like Horamiya. I really liked it a lot. I'm happy to report everyone is here. Alejandro Saab, Marissa Duran, Zena Robinson, Anaris Canonez, Young E. Chang, Johnny Young Bosch, and many more. They're all back, and that makes me a very happy, happy panda. This is also being directed by the same director as the first season, the wonderful Caitlin Glass, who you'll know for work such as Tomochan is a Girl, The Saint's Magic Power is Omnipotent, and Fruits Basket. Horamiya is a great show, and... I feel like I could be a little cynical about people being mean about, like, the anime, like, skipping stuff. I think the anime season one did a good job. But I'll be honest, I like these characters enough that just getting more of their stories... Yeah, fuck it, I'll watch more of that. I'm happy about that. That makes me happy. What doesn't make me happy is another fucking isekai. Am I actually the strongest? This one immediately set red flags for me because I know a girl who is pretty forgiving about a lot of isekai garbage. And even she saw this and was like, this is the most nothing forgettable shit. I can't believe this is getting an anime and a dub. Playing the role of the titular main character Haruto is Kevin Thuwell who is also the lead character in uh, The Ice Blade Sorcerer Shall Rule the World. His name's Ray, And is also Naoya Mukai in Girlfriend, Girlfriend. Uh, playing Charlotte is one Kate Bristol, who's played characters like Shizuku in Ari Fruetta and Kisei Soma in Fruits Basket. And playing the red wolf girl is Flay, is Corey Petit, who's played Sachi in More Than a Married Couple But Not Lovers, and Sawa Sugimoto in Kigeki Shoujo. This dub features the talents of Chris Waycamp, Jenny Liddell, and Lydia McKay. And the director of this one is Chris George, the director of Spy Family, Black Clover, and Pop Team Epic. There are six isekai this season. I would like to mention that some of the best directors at the studio are working on the isekais this season quite a bit. Uh, Speaking of which, Sweet Reincarnation! How many times can you write the same fucking story? Dude, I literally had somebody tell me about this, because this one actually looked like one that was kind of cute and fun, where it's like, oh hey, he makes sweets! And then I found out, as of six episodes, he's only made one sweet. And then it's just been a lot of other isekai nonsense, and he's just like, I just want to make my pastries. And like, Ugh. Oh, God. Uh, they're all named after foods, by the way. Uh, Poss, 
is the main character and is played by Trina Nishimura, who's played Kane in the Arisakat's Otherworldly Adventure, another similar isekai, and is also the lead girl in Saving 80k Gold in Another World. This is like the third isekai they have had Trina Nishimura as the lead character in. But I'm going to mention something fun. She's also Natsume in Decadence, because more people should watch Decadence. Uh, playing the character of Mark is Molly Zhang, who is Akane in My Clueless First Friend, and Ena Saito in Laidback Camp. Uh, Lumi is one Rochelle May, who I previously mentioned is Muriel in Masamune's Kun Season 2. Casserole is David Matranga, who is Ray in Buddy Daddies, and Tanagaki in Golden Kamoi. And, I don't even know how you pronounce this, Fuli is Charles Nguyen, who has played Cho in I Got a Cheat Skill and Bellin in The Strongest Exorcist. Uh, this features the voice talents of Cassie Uwalu, T. Lee, Randy Perlman, Sean Gann, and featuring Sarah Natacheni as the voice of God? I had to do, had to do something about the Pokemon. So... I saw people being like, what the fuck? And it's like, I think somebody saw that she was doing a signing in the Dallas area and was probably like, hey, you want to you step in for a booth and play a character? And Sean Gann had the foresight to, to decide, hey, let's make Ash be God. I think that's funny. Also, this is being directed by Sean Gann, the director of Buddy Daddy's Requiem of the Rose King and Sugar Apple Fairy Tale. They do a lot of good stuff. They did, like, two of the worst shows last season, too, but they can do really good shows if you give them good stuff. Surprise, surprise! Another isekai, guys! This one's called The Great... 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 Fuck, fuck me. Great Cleric. The main character of this one is Lucille, and he's played by motherfucking Justin Reiner, who has played Deku in My Hero Academia and Hanako in Toilet Bound Hanako-kun, just to name a few of a very prestigious resume. Uh, This also features the voice talents of Julie Claiborne, Sarah Roach, and Kian King, the lead actress in the dub of Gunbuster, who is now in the Dallas area, so glad to see she's popping up in things. This dub is being directed by Jason Lord, who has directed the dubs of Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, the Kebby Sailor Universe, and just wrapped up the English dub of Mobile Suit Gundam, Witch from Mercury. That might come up later tonight. Fellas, what was the last time we talked about an isekai? Ugh, stop it! I don't even... Too much! I'm gonna make a joke. I think that's the last of the Isaka... Okay, I guess technically it is. Okay, that's the last of the new Isakai, but it's kind of the one I actually would watch. Reborn as a vending machine, I now wander the dungeon. Okay, this gets a pass. This This gets the one pass. This one gets the pull pass. Because it actually looks cute, silly, and nobody owns any slaves. So, our main character is a fucking talking vending machine. His name is Boxo. And he's being played by another actor who deserves a lot more recognition. Garrett Storms. 
Uh, shout out to my friend Megan, who literally over the last weekend was like, man, I want to see Garrett Storm in more things. He's very underrated and deserves more respect. And then like a few days later, oh, he got cast as the lead in the vending machine anime. Uh, you'll know him for Fafnir in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid and Rogue from Fairy Tale, just to name a few. And Lamis, the punch girl that carries Boxo around everywhere, is Emily Neves, who you'll know as Sylphiette in Mushoku Tensei Jobless Reincarnation, and Chloe Albert in That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. This one features the voice talents of Mar- Marissa Duran, Macy Ann Johnson, Jared Green, Brian Massey, and Maka Rial. And this dub is being directed by Chris George, who is also directing Am I Actually the Strongest? I'll give Chris George this. I'll actually watch this one. I I don't even think I'm going to remember the other. Okay, we're now into stuff that's a little more interesting, actually. Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2. So, Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 starts with a flashback arc. But everybody that needs to be back for that flashback arc, Keiji Tang, Lex Lang, and Ryan Bartley all reprise as their characters. But we have two new characters playing the role of Rico is Reba Burr, who you'll know as Nikaido in Dora Hidoro, and Mine in Ascendance of a Bookworm. And playing Toji Fushigoro, this one surprises me actually, Nicholas Roy. Nicholas Roy, you'll know as Teta in Tokyo Revengers, Chuya in Bungo Stray Dogs, and this isn't even his first character in Jujutsu Kaisen. Jet, help me out, I didn't write this one. What's the name of uh, Itadori's friend in the first season that, uh... Uh, yeah, dude, babe, and, uh, and uh, no worries, uh, I, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure we don't have to worry about those characters ever speaking to each other. So, yeah, yeah, something about that. Probably. So, I'm happy to report <laughs> that Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2, not only is it retaining its characters, it's retaining its staff. This is continuing its dub at Studiopolis, and is being directed by the same director for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, Suzanne Goldish. You'll know uh, Suzanne Goldish from a lot of big things at Studiopolis, such as the new Sailor Moon dub, the first season of Tiger and Bunny, and the director on the still-ongoing Boruto Naruto Next Generations dub which might almost be done, at least as far as what the Japanese broadcast currently is up to. The dub is a lot farther than people think it is. Anyways, really happy to see Suzanne and the same team for Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is back. I thought the first season had a fine dub, but there was a very noticeable uptick in quality come Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, and I'm happy to see that team is back for season two. So now we get to Reign of the Seven Spellblades, which this one is not an isekai. It's a magical academy that people are say is basically light novel Harry Potter without all of uh, Joanne's bullshit. Uh, yeah, uh, it's been okay so far. Uh, nothing to write home about, but uh, okay. I'll, you, I'm going to be honest. Given how much bottom of the barrel the light novel anime can get i'll take okay so playing our titular cast of wizards our main character it play it yeah our main character is a kid named oliver he's played by drew 
Drew Breedlove, who you'll know as Bachida in Blue Lock, and Futoshi in The World Ends With You, the animation, uh, playing Nanao, or Nam, N-A-N-A-O, Jen, how do they say her name? Uh, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think that's right. Okay, cool. Nanao is played by one Ver- Veronica Locks, who has played Destra in The Fruit of Evolution, and Hanako Sato in Aharin-san, Wahakara 9. Uh, Katie, who is apparently just Hermione, is played by Jill Harris, who you'll know as Noel in Black Clover, and Yuzuriha in Hell's Paradise. Uh, Guy, or Guy or Guy? Uh, I think it's Guy. Okay, Guy is one Matthew Elkins. He plays Satoru in Natsume's Book of Friends, and Edgar Frumware in Beast Tamers. Uh, playing Michela is Sarah Ragsdale, who is May in Bovary and Saya Endo in Dagashikati. And Pete is one Lexi Naito, who has played Tomo in Tomochan as a Girl and Walkure in Talk Op Destiny. Uh, this dub features the voice talents of Crystal Laporte as Titty Dumbledore, John Bergmeier, Nia Celeste, Alexis Tipton, and Kayla Parker. This dub is being directed by one Jonathan Rick. He is currently directing the second half of Sacrificial Princess and the King of Beasts, but is also directed for shows such as The Great Jahi Will Not Be Defeated and Blue Lock. So this next one is interesting. I'm going to get into why. Rent-A-Girlfriend Season 3. Yes, Rent-A-Girlfriend is now up to its third season. Everyone is back. So Kazuya is still Alex Lee, Chizuru is still Lizzie Freeman, Ruka is Sarah Williams, Curry is Landon McDonald, Kibe is Nicholas Roy, but the new character, the new girl to the cast, her name is Mimi, and apparently she's like a fucking otaku gamer girl, which should be funny, but Kazuya sucks. She is being played by Lizette Monique Diaz, who has played Jahi in The Great Jahi Will Not Be Defeated, and Evan Glennis Maple in Skeleton Knight in Another World. She's a Texas actress. She's a Dallas, Texas based actress. Which leads to the strangest surprise of this whole list. Rent a Girlfriend is now an in-house Texas dub. Yeah, I'm not sure how do you feel about that one. So, I'll, I'll say who the director is. This is being directed by Jerry Jewell, who has directed shows such as Vinland Saga Season 2, My Senpai is Annoying, and Shimonetta. Before I get into my actual thoughts about the Switch, I'm just gonna say, God, Jerry Jewell is such a good director, but he always gets the bullshit. He gets one or two cool shows a year, and then the rest of it's just fucking garbage. Uh, uh, real shame. Like, he did Vinland Saga, but then had to do Ningen Fushin and fucking Kamikatsu. The good news is he has one cool show we'll talk about later, but... So here, here's why this one's weird. Obviously, the past two seasons have been at Studiopolis, and have been directed by Wendy Lee previously. This information is important for two reasons I'm going to mention. I have theories about why this one's no longer in-house. A, one theory, I think Studiopolis is pretty busy this season with other projects. 
because they are working on Jujutsu Kaisen, and a little spoiler we'll get to in a bit. They're also still doing Bungo Stray Dogs, and will be continuing the dub of Bleach, the Thousand Year Blood Lore, and that's probably not including any other projects behind the scenes they might be working on at the same time, too. Secondly, Wendy Lee it has been the director for the past two seasons. I think she's on standby right now because of Near Automata. Because the last four episodes of Near Automata finally premiered, and I think they probably want her on standby to come back and finish that as soon as they could. That's why I think this change happened. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I think it's a strange one. If nothing else, I think the Leah Clark as a scriptwriter on this one is a good fit for a show like this. And it's probably still going to be funny if you like Alex Leem noises. But at this point, you know where you stand on Rent-A-Girlfriend as a series. You either know better, or you're huffing the greatest copium in the world. I am happy for Lizette, though. I really liked her in Jahi, and I did put her as my voice actor to watch. But man, having her show up as a major character in Rent-A-Girlfriend kind of feels like a monkey's paw. Okay, I've spent too much time on this one. I'm going to be quick about this next one. Sugar Apple Fairy... Oh, fuck me. Sugar Apple Fairy... Sugar Apple Fairy. You didn't even say the rest word! Sugar Apple Fairy Tale! Season 2. Everybody who's back needs to be back. Uh, including the director, Sean Gann, who is also directing Sweet Reincarnation. Liar, liar! I don't actually think I know anything about this one. I don't know if it's good or not. Eh. Uh, the main character, Hiroto, is played by one Blake McNamara who has played Saito in Handyman Saito in Another World, and Seth Rich Carter in Apare Ranman. Uh, Sarasa, aka Rina, is one Taylor Murphy, and it is her first anime role! And it's a lead role, too, so congratulations to you, Taylor. Uh, wishing you the best of luck. Shiryuki is played by Meg McLean, who plays Aisha in Mushoku Tensei, and Rachel Gardner in Angels of Death. This dub features Monica Pisker, Morgan Luray, Danny Chambers, baby, yeah, 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 you get it, you get it. Uh, this is being directed by Jason Lord, who is also doing The Great Cleric as well. Tempuru, which apparently this one is supposed to just be Temple, but Tempuru is wordplay. It's a 2000s harem anime in the year of our Lord 2023. Sure, I guess. Uh, I guess someone has to channel the spirit of Kanakabatsu, even if they maybe. Okay, I, I, this is being done by the Grand Blue author. I don't know that author, but I don't think they're a fucking shit asshole like Kanakabatsu. Uh, playing our titular lead male, uh, Akamitsu is Bradley Gareth, who you'll know as Ghoul in Gundam Witch from Mercury and Jubei Aryu in Blue Lock. And Yuzuki is one Kelly Greenshield, who's played characters like Reika in My Home Hero and Lexia in I Got Cheat Skill. Uh, the rest of the harem is rounded out by the t- voice talents of Molly Zhang, Monet Lerner, Celeste Perez, Morgan Lee, and Marion Bray. And this dub is... 
also being directed by Mike McFarland? They... They really gave... Mike fucking McFarland a same-day isekai and a harem anime. I guess he's waiting on, like, the second half of Attack on Titans final season, or final whatever, but it's, it's still like, okay, he's being assisted on this one by Aaron Roberts, who was directing on things such as uh, Data Lie 4, uh, Kuma Kuma Bear Season 2, and has been assisting on Jason Lord with Witcher Mercury. So he's helping him out with that too, but it's just like, okay. Sure, whatever. Uh, Jobless Reincarnation Season 2. Everybody who needs to be back seems to be back, and I really don't care enough to list credits for new people. This is already long enough, my dudes. Uh, this is continuing to be directed by Jeremy Inman, who's directed Golden Kamoy, Trigon Stampede, and How Not to Summon a Demon Lord. Uh, new little rom-com anime, Saint Cecilia and Pastor Lawrence. This one looks really cute. Uh, Cecilia is being played by Hannah Aaliyah, who has played Aoi in Laidback Camp, and Raichi in Handyman Saito in Another World. Uh, Lawrence is one Josh Bangle, who is the Violence Fiend in Chainsaw Man, and the Lizard Man Priest in Goblin Slayer. I figured a pastor and a priest. That's very fitting. Uh, this one is being directed by Jade Saxton, who is also directing this season's Masamune Kun's Revenge R. Bungo Stray Dog Season 5! Five, my dudes. Um, everybody who needs to be back for Season 5 is back for Season 5. That includes Studiopolis, because this one's staying at Studiopolis. I, I do now know the actor who plays Nikolai, which I didn't know who he was before, and apparently he's fucking Chris Redfield in Resident Evil Village? Yeah, that's fucking wild. Anyways, uh, this is being directed by the same director who did who took over for Suzanne Goldish in Season 4, Kirsty Simone, who has directed Tower of God, My Next Life as a Villainess, and Burn the Witch. Link Click Season 2, really great show, underrated show from last year, fantastic fucking dub that was. Everybody who's back needs to be, including Alejandro Saab, Zeno Robinson, and Susie Young. There's a new important character being played by Aaron Campbell, who plays Kurto Nakano in The Helpful Fox Sadako-san, and Kaikoku Onagashiki in The Once Within. So remember when I said that Jerry Jewell was getting a good show alongside Rent-A-Girlfriend? That good show is Link Click, which is good, but also strange because this was originally an Okatron dub directed by Austin Six. So that's th so yes, some of them are still where they need to be, but that's two shows just suddenly going in house, and I'm not sure how to feel about that. Hmm. Anyways, Devil is a Part-Timer Season 2. Everybody who's back needs to be back. Why is the season named like this? It's Season 3, you fucking hacks. Ugh. Uh, Jeremy Inman's back to direct this while he's also doing Jobless Reincarnation Season 2. The Duke of Death is made Season 2 is our last one from the Crunchyroll pile. Clifford Chapin and Kristen McGuire are back playing the teasy lovey-dovey couple, All is Right in the World, plus Kaylee Mills, 
Kent Williams, Rico Fajardo, Sarah Wiedenheff, Alan Lee, and Caitlin Barr are back too. I decided to list these ones because, to be honest, I'm not sure the dub for this one got as much attention as some of the other sequels, so I'm giving them their shoutouts. Fuck me, this is too long! Uh, our ADR director is no longer Natalie Rose, but this is being directed by Sarah Ragsdale. This is her first lead directorial dub. She has assisted on a shit ton of dubs for the past couple of years, including uh, The Last Devil to Part-Timer, Buddy Daddies, and My Home Hero. She's like an assistant director on like eight dubs this season alone, this year alone. Fucking good for her getting a lead thing. So we are done with the Crunchyroll Simul dubs. There is one I'm going to bring up because it actually is notable. Would you believe me if I told you Netflix had a fucking same-day simuldub? My Happy Marriage is a weekly same-day simuldub. On Netflix! And it's going up on time! And it's the dub's there the same day! What the fuck is this sorcery? I guess this one's in a good production. Anyways, I uh, want to give a shout-out to uh, the lead characters for this one. Uh, Playing the uh, titular husband, Kyoka Kudo, is one Damien Haas, who you'll know for things such as Suraka in Oku the Inner Chambers and the male voice of Shez in Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. So good for him getting his first anime lead. And getting her first anime lead too, playing the role of Mio Saimori, is one Miranda Parkin, whose only other credit I can really find is Nagi Usui in Neo, The World Ends With You. She is one of the party members. This dub features the voice talents of Michael Lors, Lizzie Freeman, Richard Tatum, Erica Schroeder, Mick Winger, Karen Hui, Cedric Williams, and Ryan Colt-Levy. This is being directed at Ayuno, Ayuno in LA, and the director of this one is actually pretty familiar to the anime scene and simuldubs. This is being directed by one Tia Ballard, somebody who has recently moved from Dallas and is now living in L.A., working at Iuno and directing some dubs for them. Notably, the recent Yakitori Soldiers of Misfortune dub has directed some shows like Kona Ototomare and The Royal Tutor. We are done. Fuck me. Okay. Get back into position here as I um. There's a couple the of rains back. Couple of good dubs here, I'm sure, but this is a weak season. Yeah, it it really is. Like six, six of these are isekai. Like all due respect to the guy, putting Mike McFarland on an isekai in a harem show, it's like I don't even know a good, good analogy to come up with. I can think of several, but I don't think I'd find one so bafflingly stupid. Yeah. Anyways. Sure. That, that's what's up. That's what's up. It's like hiring a top-of-the-line mechanic to work on a $500.93 Civic. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, uh... There you go, people. Uh, just... Stick around for the fall season. Things will pick up in a, cu- in a couple of months. It looks a lot better. I hope they dub some of the good ones. Yeah, and hopefully they won't dub six fucking isekai shows. You just don't dub all of them. You could get most of them, 
But don't dub all of them again. There's too much good stuff in sequels. <sighs> okay. Summer season's done. Now we get on to our uh, meager bit of main stories. We only have a couple because uh, Otakon happened, and that's where our main focus is going to be. That's where most of the meat is, yeah. Yeah, but we have a couple of things here worth mentioning, and we're going to start with something so very stupid. Uh, very there, Yeah, very uh, everything bad. So, very recently... Uh, Gundam The Witch from Mercury came to an end with a final episode that was, uh, while some parts may have been a bit rushed, it ended on the exact right note it should have. The gays were not fridged. They, in fact, got their happy ending. Yes. There, there were no throwing of the gay women in the refrigerators for once. Uh, that was nice. It was. It, it was nice. Everybody seemed to be happy about it. Yeah, uh, you know, it would have been nice if they got to, you know, turn into a car and ride off into the sunset. You know, just really, really into those dudes and the references, but I guess we can't have everything. <laughs> no, not since we have a new Gundam Seed project coming out because the straights feel threatened by it. <sighs> but, anyways, so, Gundam Witch from Mercury ended, and... What should have happened is that everybody enjoyed the fact that the gays were happy, healthy, and Bamco got to shut the fuck up and make a bajillion dollars. And this is where we have to bring in something very stupid from the September issue of Gundam Ace magazine. So, there was an interview in this magazine from Kana Ichinose and Lin, uh, the voice actors of Saleta and Mirin, a.k.a. Tomato Girl and her cockatiel wife. I, I love, I want you to know, it took, it took me a long-ass time to actually remember her, her name was Mirin. I really <laughs> just went with cockatiel wife for a long while. <laughs> yeah, if it works, it works. And in that interview, um, Ichinose uh, said the following, in regards to the series' uh, final scene, as well as the happily of her after-end card. <clears throat> Quote, After the three-year time jump, I could feel the intimacy between the two had grown. To see that in a married pair was, once again, very touching. Because, you see, Tomato Girl made her cockatiel wife into her cockatiel wife. With, with you know, all the official um, regalia and everything. So there was there was no like kissing or ceremony, but there was a lot of intimacy holding on to like Mirin holding on to Saleta, um Ari calling Mirin her sister in law, and the delightful detail that everybody pointed out Suleta had her two of her fingernails cut shorter than the rest. <laughs> which as soon as that was pointed out to me, it's like, okay, that's one of those, I feel not even the directors or writers did that. Whoever was animating that shot was like, okay, I'm going all in. And you know what? I salute you. Yes, everybody seemed to be all in on this, including uh, the writer of the show, the director of the show, uh, the voice actresses, 
and whoever runs the um, Gundam Info North American social media accounts. They're all in on this. Because the alt text for the alt text for uh, the thank you for watching the show for that was basically Suleta with her wife Mirin. Yes. Yep. So yep. So uh, you know, so Suleta consents, Mirina consents, but wait, I think we're forgetting someone. <sighs> yeah. Apparently, Bond Dynamic Co. Filmworks uh, did not consent to this because going back to Gundam Ace Magazine which is the Kadokawa publication, so they're involved with this bullshit too, there was a revision in the digital version that says the following, quote, After the three-year time jump, I could feel the intimacy between the two had grown, and to see that in the pair was, once again, very touching. To say that is gross, cowardly, and pussyfooting censorship is a little bit of an understatement. Yep, it's also incredibly stupid. Like, uh, no amount of statements is going to change what was on screen. Yeah, and here's the thing. This was just in, you know, this magazine. If it was just left to that, it would have been stupid, but whatever, we'll just blame Katakawa for it. Then Bondi Namco had to chime in with a statement. What was that statement, Alex? Well, the statement essentially uh, says that uh, the editor in charge of the magazine had assumed that these characters were married. Gee, I wonder where that assumption came from. Could it be the wedding rings on their fingers? The fact that... um, Ari was referred to as sister-in-law, or, you know, everything from that final episode's closing minute. Or, you know, the basis of the entire show. Yeah. Literally episode one. I, I guess Bandai Namco is very conservative after all. Yeah, apparently Bandai Namco uh, checked the interview prior to publication and asked for the change to be made because they decided it was better left to the viewer to decide if the pair were married or not, leaving it up to um, interpretation in a matter of speaking because nothing says subtext like actual text. I, I just want to preface this. They had the easiest out and the perfect scapegoat to throw under the bus in the form of Katakawa. They literally, they literally could have just absolved themselves of blame, said nothing, or just said, uh, we, we see a lot of remarks. We are investigating this internally, which is the most nothing statement you can make. But it's like, it's like. Well, that's weird that this was a change for publication. Um, We're going to look into what happened here and figure that out. But instead, it's like, it's me! We We told the editors of this magazine it was wrong to consider them married. It was wrong. How dare they consider married? We thought it was better left up to interpretation and told them directly to change it, literally putting the target on themselves. It's... To quote one of the funniest things I saw was a comment which was Katakawa, shoot self in the foot. Bandai Namco, what the fuck are you doing? Give me that, won't you? Takes the gun, shoot self in the head. That really is quite stupid. And like, I didn't remember seeing a statement that I thought, at least 
might have explained what the logic probably was, even if it was so incredibly stupid. Uh, uh, from someone who also, I guess, worked in production, they mentioned that the logic that probably made the most sense was that uh, some Bandai Namco exec saw what happened, and having not seen the show at all, because these executives probably don't even watch the stuff they, they pay for, probably, so probably just saw the controversy and assumed, okay, let's put out a neutral statement so no one's offended, but realizing... Not realizing, uh, no, you, you, you can't take a neutral stance on this. You absolutely cannot. This is the most you can't ungay this it's ever been. And trying to have it both ways is as cowardly as it is shitty, gross, and disrespectful. And this is straight up them being afraid of losing the homophobic crowd's money. They got so... They, this is the biggest success they've had in a long time. They've brought in entirely new demographics of people buying Gunpla figures, merchandise, and supporting official materials. This is the level of, like, new life in a 40-something-year-old franchise most people would fucking kill for. But they're sitting here going, no, 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 we can't possibly lose the crowd of dedicated neckbeard fuckos who would rather these fucking gays get shoved back in a closet. Fucking disgusting. It's bad enough there's all that, but then you have Masaru Karaguchi, the president of Bandai Namco Holdings, saying in a March newsletter from the company... That this show has been good for acquiring uh, new fans amongst the young people and of women. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Uh, me thinks you might have uh, ticked off that who out you were trying to get there, guys. There's a very, very simple response to give to, to this it, that sums everything up. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you forever. Fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. You fucks. It's, this really is the most, they put the target on their fucking backs. They literally could have just played this smart and been like, oh, that's strange, that happened, uh, we're going to look into that, and then never dealt with it. And then the magazine would have taken some heat, but then people would have forgotten about it, and they would still get to profit and not be a laughingstock. But they put that target on themselves and are now a fucking laughingstock. Yep, everyone's making fun of them, and it is right with Yeah, everybody. Here's something that I found that sums up uh, this whole stupid situation perfectly. The quote is, Bond Dynamico has done something that no East Asian politician over the decades has been able to do, and which has only been previously been accomplished by Japanese AV actresses. Unite the Chinese-speaking world, Japan, and South Korea. All together, hand-in-hand, making a mockery of this stupid, stupid madness. You are bringing everybody together to come laugh at you. I've seen some incredible memes out of this. I've seen so many, like, gay images that that just add, it's open to interpretation. Uh... I think one of those char where it's like my relationship with Lana Su- Lala Sue is up to interpretation. Uh, my f- I've seen it's up to interpretation on the gif of those two gay bitches in Utana making out. And my personal favorite is this one video uh, that somebody animated of Miorine and Suleta's wedding and Bandai is officiating. Gather here today in holy 
best friends. No, no, mate. What's going on? Besties. Wife and wife. You may now give a friendly hug. No, no, no. Wife and wife. Enjoy your business trip to Hawaii. Honeymoon. As, so there are two perspectives about this. Righteous anger, fury, disappointment, and like literally saying this is gay censorship for what is the most overtly queer thing in a long, long time in anime. So the people that actually want real representation can't even have the fucking breadcrumbs. And that's disgusting and they deserve to be ridiculed for that. The other side of it is fucking clown on them. Clown on these fucks for to kingdom come because they deserve it. Don't give it to the actual people that worked on the anime. No, they they knew what they were doing. They know what this is about. But the people that are making these statements didn't make this anime. They didn't even watch it. They didn't even yeah. care. Yeah, uh, yeah. to which uh, other side, uh, shame on you, Polygod. Uh, really, really terrible headline saying that, uh, claiming that it was the creators of the show who, sorry, who made a statement and not yeah. yeah, that's that's a little shitty and stupid, and everybody's now making fun of Polygon for that. All it takes is a little bit of looking up and doing some research. If we, a pair, a couple of schmucks on the internet, can put in the research, there's no excuse for why a big platform like Polygon can get it so wrong. Oh shit, I didn't know Rio Ando was the co-director of this. Huh. Learn something new. Yeah, and now I don't know how many people working in Bandai Namco and Katakawa are affiliated with the LDP, but um, in such a case, I have a two-word retort of a statement I'd like to give to them. <clears throat> Fuck you. You do not get to dictate the narrative once it's been established. This is not yours. This is for the gays. This is for the queers. This is for everybody who wants to feel seen and genuinely represented. Because this is that. This is genuinely that. And they deserve their happy ending. You don't get to say they can't have that anymore. Fuck you. All you had to do was shut up and keep that money in the bank. And now you can't even get that anymore, uh, you stupid idiots. Enjoy that Gundam Seed movie. It's going to be terrible. Ugh. Anyways, uh, continue to laugh at Bamco. Yes. La- laugh at them. Uh, laugh at them forever, because this was so unnecessary. You, you all... They did not have to say anything. They could have said nothing. They really just put the gun in their own mouth. It's it's kind of insane. It really is quite stupid. But it, major uh, major ups, uh, major ups to the people that made this anime happen, and a major suck a dick to everybody trying to ungay the gay. Yeah, and uh, as a final aside, uh, it's not as it's not as annoying, but uh, also uh, Ben and go up. Literally throwing your lead actor on any bus is also not a good look either. So. Uh, yeah, screw you. Yeah, uh, yeah, that I didn't even think of that. Ah, <laughs> uh, you fucking idiots. <sighs> yeah. Su- Suleta fucks, and there's not a goddamn thing you can do to change that. Yeah. 
And so we shall move on to uh, other matters here. One that is uh, a bit concerning. So, Eleven Arts may be dead. Their social accounts have not been updated since their Anime Expo panel got cancelled, and their website is a 404 error page. Yeah, that's pretty concerning, actually. I'm like, I, I don't like to say doom and gloom before uh, that happens, but yeah, this one I'd actually say if there are things that this company has licensed that you're a little unclear about where the rights for this are going to fall, I think uh, I think now is the time to uh, do a little pickup for the things yeah. that you don't yet have. These are all distributed by. Uh... Shout Studios, the former Shout Factory, so they're readily available if you know where to look. They are readily available. You could probably find these, like, online, but you could also legitimately probably just find them in a Walmart or a Best Buy if you know where to look. But some 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 of the more niche ones, maybe, you need to find on right stuff in Amazon. Yeah. But. Or, or if you're like me, you find some of them at random at Dollar Tree. Either way... <laughs> I'm going to give you all your homework. If there are titles you have not yet picked up that by this point you are worried are going to go away or go out of print on the offset 11 Arts is fucking dying, here's your homework and here's what you need to grab. All of these are probably going to be 20 bucks or under. Um, Maquia, When the Promised Flower Blooms. Uh, personal favorite of mine, uh, Mario Kata's directorial debut. Fucking watch it. Liz and the Bluebird, the uh, film from the director of A Silent Voice, which tells a side story in the Sound Euphonium universe. Speaking of which, A Silent Voice, another fantastic legendary film for the ages. Absolute must-buy, must-watch. So, get Silent Voice as well. There's also Penguin Highway, Millennium Actress, the Satoshi Kon feature film. Uh, Laughing Under the Clouds Gaiden, which is the uh, sequel trilogy films to Laughing Under the Clouds. They actually managed to get the original cast for that dub, which was pretty cool. Sound Euphonium, the movie Our Promise, A Brand New Day. There are two Sound Euphonium feature films that have two different dub casts, and the first series has still not been dubbed. But hey, you could get that too, because that one's a good movie too. Uh, The Wonderland is something you should also grab. Uh, Shiro Bako the movie is something you should probably also grab. Gintama the very final. Papel of Chimney Town. Ryoma the Prince of Tennis. The House of the Lost on the Cape. Demo Memorial Keys and Blue Thermal, their latest film that they just put out. So, if any of those are things that you want, that you are afraid of losing the chance to get, uh, go for them now, A, while they're nice and cheap, and B, while they're still in print. Yeah, uh, do that. <clears throat> of course, uh, you might have to look look uh, deeper if you can't find that uh, certain thing, but uh, should there be any updates to this, we will uh, let you know, because this is very uh, concerning. Uh, y- yeah, yeah, this is concerning and definitely kind of a bummer. Yeah, and um, on on the top on the topic of uh, home video distribution, the matter of speaking, 
Quick shout out to the people at Zavi in the UK for very quietly gutting international shipping, specifically here to the US. I wanted to buy Princess Jellyfish on Blu-ray from Anime Limited, and I've been able to buy stuff from Zavi's UK store, no problem. Now I can't. Oof. I had to pay 25 pound international flat fee shipping. Because some people in Britain several years ago decided it would be a really good idea to leave the European Union because uh, something involving uh, racism or whatever. Thanks a lot, England. You keep fucking us over. I hate you for it. Everybody disliked that. Yeah, I had to pay $70 total to get it shipped out here. Basically, half of it was shipping. Mm. Uh, uh, just these little things that bother me. So, that, uh, anyway, uh, we shall uh, uh, carry on here. And, uh, wait a minute. Hold up. Hold up. So, a new company has emerged, and I'm very concerned why. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes, if Eleven Arts is dying and leaving a void in the industry. We have a sudden, brand new addition to the anime licensing home video distribution market in 2023. Yeah, we have a company called Animedia Entertainment, uh, not to be confused with other uh, Animedia companies with that name. Uh, this just showed up out of nowhere. It's apparently run by uh, voice actor Hayden Davis. I- I'm not sure who you are, but um, good luck with this venture. We have a a startup company starting out with, of all things, a 2004 OVA, Hourglass of Summer Colors, due out... Uh, sometimes this holiday season on DVD. Not Blu-ray and DVD. DVD. So that's how you know we're going for the very genuine, authentic, out-of-the-garage feel. Which, honestly, outside of Media Blasters, we really haven't had in quite some time. So, yeah, this is just a mid-2000s visual novel OVA getting a new English dub with a bunch of voice actors who are extremely new as far as professional experience. Like, they've probably done some, like, online, like, work and stuff. I think I saw one of the actors plays Duck in a fan-made sequel to Princess Tutu? which was a wild thing to discover exists. But you know what? Sure. Why the hell not? I, it's, I'm so used to how aggressively corporate and set in stone everything is. And let's face it, a new anime startup in 2023 is a risky, ridiculous venture to make. Especially when you are starting this new, this fresh, and this garagey. But I almost kind of welcome the fact that just some random company just decided to 
get into the game in the year of our Lord 2023. Like, it's almost darling to me. And it helps that this one isn't being run by Anime Matsuri. Yeah, as far as we know, these are uh, reputable people, as in they're not terrible people running this operation. Yeah, they like, we don't know anything about them. Like, this Twitter literally started tweeting July 30th, the day after my 27th birthday. And yeah. It, they, it, they've been steadily just putting out, like, casting announcements. I don't know any of these people, but I wish them well. We wish you well, even though I'm, I'm sure something's bound to go wrong. Like, it's never as easy as you think it is. So good luck to all you out there. Releasing a, a, an unreleased title on DVD in the year of our Lord 2023 certainly is a choice. Like, I'm not upset. I'm just like, you know what? I wish them best of luck. Also, it, it they made me think of Anime Midstream, which... You guys fucking remember Anime Midstream? Vaguely. Like, they put out BeatX and BeatX Neo and, like, one other mecha thing. And, like, that was it. I, I wonder if there's still a thing. I Also, shout out to Kuma Holdings, who put out... Uh, uh, this boy is a professional wizard, and this boy is suffering from crystallization, and dubbed that. And I don't think that's in print anymore, but I don't know, that was neat. Mm-hmm. I like these startups that basically release one or two DVDs and then kind of just disappear. I, ho- I wish Animedia well, but it's a, tough, it's a tough business to crack into. I just kind of adore seeing something like this just start up with under 200 followers announced that they they're making an anime english dub of a thing that like people probably have never heard of and it's coming out on dvd it's it's almost darling in a way i haven't seen in some time yep uh good luck to them hopefully this doesn't go the way of crimson star video Oh, yeah. that 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 is that is the big uh that is the big ew. Yeah, and uh, whatever you do, if you get a, a resume sent to you from a guy named uh, Victor M, just throw it in the trash immediately. Just, just yeah, a hundred percent. Set it on fire. Yeah, set it on fire. Um, conduct a seance to rid it of all the evil spirits and. Probably burn down the room you read it in, too. J- just to be safe. <sighs> Can you imagine being such an idiot, such a monumental fuckhead of an idiot, that you torpedo your own career way down the shitter to the point where you're now on rando garbage right-wing YouTube live streams talking about uh, molesting Barbie dolls or whatever because you're a man of God? Couldn't be me. <sighs> the judicial process is very slow. Hopefully in time, this stupid saga will come to an end and we can all be rid of these evil spirits. We will have to conduct a seance of our own once this is all over with. I do not want this evil permeating any longer than it has to. I can't believe it's still even ongoing. That's fucking unbelievable. Okay. Let, let's, let's move on to something that's not quite uplifting. But I guess a little more optimistic, in a sense. Yeah, if you haven't heard, and I don't know how, um, 
these uh, strikes in Hollywood are still ongoing because, oh my god, these people in charge of these companies are just the fucking worst. We don't have time to get into it. They're all terrible people. Uh, but as a result of this, uh, Sony has shifted their theatrical uh, schedule, and I'm sure you will all be so sad to know that uh, Craven the Hunter has been punted all the way to next August. Oh, no. That's so Did you all know sad. that is tied to Spider-Man? Oh, no. That's so sad. I'm so uh, dis Disheart, disheart. Yeah. Some some other movies have been pushed back to later in 2024. For some reason, they're pushing back this Gran Turismo movie by a whopping two weeks. That's what's really funny. And I think I saw somewhere they were like hoping the fans would do this for them. And it's like, fuck. No, 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 no. It's not going all that well considering Paramount hired uh, the I Like Turtles kid to do uh, viral marketing uh, outreach for them. Okay. Nothing encapsulates how ridiculously wild and dumb this saga is in entertainment history is going to be quite like Paramount not getting any of the actors to promote the new Turtles movie on the red carpet and then calling in the fucking I Like Turtles kid who's like in his 20s now to just be like, I like the Turtles. And I don't know if that's genius or sad. It's baffling is what it is. That's exactly what it is. That's desperate in a way Uh, I haven't seen. I would just say that. You know, yes. SAG after have a list of guidelines on what to and not to do during this whole situation. Um, as it pertains to quote unquote influencers, it's very simple. Do not promote struck work. So I actually was looking into a little bit of that because I do know what you're about to bring up, specifically the Mr. Beast thing. There are some that actually did have contracts prior to the strike that they actually do have to see through for the promotion stuff that is unrelated to the SAG stuff. It seems like a weird legalese thing, but that does seem to be the case for that one in particular. Still not a good look in the grand scheme of things, though. Like I, I'm not going to disagree, but it feels like for at least the influencers who are also in the union... A damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of deal. I'm just glad David Faustino is getting a check somehow. Good for him. But I guess Bad Bunny isn't because El Fuerte is no longer uh, on the slate. I can't say I'm going to cry about El Fuerte, which even the most dedicated comic people I know are like, who the fuck is El Fuerte? Sony's really doing everything they can to do uh, not Spider-Man to keep the license active, which... Look, guys, it's gonna go to Disney one way or another. Just accept it. Okay, I... You say that, I actually do kinda like this resistance, even if it's stupid. I love that they're doing it. (sighs) For my own things. But let's also get this out of the way. Yes. Beyond the Spider-Verse has been delayed indefinitely and will be pushed back to whenever. 
yeah. because of things that have come out since, specifically about the production and the sa- fact that it sounded like doing it in under a year, even prior to the SAG strike, was almost insane. I'm okay with this film taking its time. If it's in two or three years, I'll be fine. You will not turn my love and fandom against the union and strikes of people who are trying to get better fair pay compensation and working conditions you will not fucking turn the things i love against the people who make the things i love they deserve more of my love and respect than you fucking corporate pigs exactly yeah. Also, I'll just wait for. I'll just. I'm just gonna buy a PS5 and play Spider-Man 2 in a couple of months anyway. <laughs> uh, that'll hold me over for a good while, anyhow. Mm. <sighs> well, uh, if somebody needs uh, a bit of a, of a cash infusion, I'm sure they can re-release Morbius for a third time. Yeah, you know what? Do 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 that, sir. It might make more money than the Flash. Do do that. Do that, sir. Yeah, totally. But release Morbius a third time. This one will definitely be the winner. Just just literally give Matt Smith money exclusively so he could do the Morby dance. Uh, yeah, that is... Uh, yeah. Hollywood is a terrible place for my terrible people. Don't, ever, don't ever work there, but uh, we shall move on. Now, last time we went through the October uh, release slates of various companies, including Crunchyroll, absolutely spoiling us with a whopping two releases. Yeah, this will this will this will come back around later. Uh, But we have something pretty cool also coming out in October as part of the uh, Shouts October slate releases from G Kids. Out on October seventeenth, we have the final Evangelion film. I am here forth calling it the final Evangelion film on Blu-ray and on four K Ultra HD Blu-ray in a fancy collector's edition. Both sets will have uh, the video prologue and the manga shorts. And the collector will have a a 28-page book, art cards, and a poster. It will be very cool. Yes, I already ordered it. Yes, I will watch this in 4K. You bet I will. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, dope. Glad uh, glad we're getting getting that last movie. Was kind of where it was going to happen there. Uh, Now where's the other three? I just kind of (sighs) love... I just kind of love that we are getting this, like, at all, because I really was worried about these movies kind of being stuck in forever hell. So, you know what? Getting the final Evangelion movie on a Blu-ray is very, very nice. It is nice, and uh, as far as the other movies go... Uh, I don't know. Uh, we Nobody knows. Nobody knows. They might get lucky on a random Tuesday and just Roll really lucky. I mean, I mean, there, there's a 4K version of the third movie. We are a ways off from getting all of this cleared up. It, it feels like we're close, but it's there. There's always some catch. So I'm just glad we're getting this last movie on Blu-ray and in yeah. 4K too. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay. Now we head to Otakon, and we start with a pair of Macross updates, because as we talked about uh, a little while ago, uh, Big West 
basically opened up the vault and gave out some Macross titles to some companies because certain other companies can't be trusted to do the right thing. Now, can they? Big West just giving up and just letting other people do it for them is probably the best they can do at this point. Considering Harmony Gold's doing fuck all. But anyway, we got the word that Macross Plus will be released by Anime Limited in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and North America as an Ultimate Edition Blu-ray release that will have the OVA and the Movie Edition. The timetable is late 23, early 24. I'm anticipating early 24 for this one, but it is still very nice Anime Limited was able to get this, and I'm just glad. It's actually pretty interesting seeing Anime Limited get a little more involved in the North American market. Mm-hmm. This is my way of saying, please give me the fucking pre-order to a place further than the universe. In Goddamn. time, in time. And, uh, my crops are uh, dying here. And also, you know, uh, if Crystal will do anything with it, uh, Bochy the Rock is right there. You can do what it does. Okay, that one is a little less certain about what's happening. I think we'll see. But yeah, um, it's kind of wild to think this will only be the third ever release of Macross Plus here in the U.S. since 1998. Oh my god, wow. Manga Entertainment had it for an eon. It was only ever released on VHS and DVD, and said DVD was in circulation for over 20 years. Oh my god. Yeah, this is going to be a very uh, deserved and long overdue upgrade. Yeah, no, uh, congrats. Yeah. Also, to note, be on the lookout for the soundtrack to this coming out on vinyl next year from Enemy Limited. I imagine that's probably going to sound very, very hot. I mean, it's, it's Yoko Kano music. Of course it will. Ooh, 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 yeah, that's going to sound fucking fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and we also have some news about its uh, companion piece of sorts, Macross 2. Animigo founder Robert Woodhead was at Otakon and basically laid out the plan, start the Kickstarter campaign, because that's how they do things, at the end of August. In, in time, this will be out uh, by next summer, because as we all know, Animigo puts in a lot of uh, interesting and very dedicated work into getting as much as they can as far as materials go for these releases. They are pretty meaty uh, products that they put out, which... How many Kickstarters has it been now? It's been... Uh, uh, l- let me think. Bubblegum Crisis, Talking to Video, Gunsmith's Cats, Riding Bean, uh, Maddox Zero One... I think, I think we're at six... Okay, so yeah, if any of those Kickstarters sound familiar to you, that's a sign of their quality and the love and effort they put into that. I've seen the Gunsmith Cats one, it looks very nice, and there's a lot of stuff there, and I'm sure a couple other of those are were really good and really nice too. The, the fact that this is Macross and they got this, this is worth supporting alone because of how much years of fuckery that one's been in, under. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, crowdfunding, uh, shout out, a quick shout out to Lackadaisy reaching a million dollars in a week and funding a season one. 
That's a let's go, baby, if I ever heard one. It's legitimately kind of insane. And you know what? A very good pilot really goes a long way. So yeah. that one's well deserved. Very, very good. So, yeah. Uh, interesting thing about these Amigo Kickstarters, by the way. There's a bit of an interesting production crossover of people working on these between Amigo and Discotech. Ah. On that note. Discotech was an Oticon. Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Can you smell it? It's time for El Grande Discotech Day 9. Make up your own fucking tagline. I can't think of any more. I feel like you need to start making the number in Spanish now because it sounds very strange without it. Uno, dos, cuatro, si- uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, I mean, six, siete, part, ocho. Part of, the, part of the gimmick is... No, no, Like, part of the gimmick is I do it in English because it's, it's just funny. Fair like, enough. If it, if it were in complete Spanish, it, it would be... Uh, let me see if I can say it properly. Dia de los discotec el grande nueve. Not as, it's, it's, oh, wow, it's not as funny that way. Fair enough, but I applaud you going the extra mile, which, speaking of going the extra mile, literally every single fucking discotheque thing. Yeah, it was uh, quite a uh, beefy slate, so much so that they were in person at Otakon for it, while supplying the rest of us who weren't there with a uh, pre-recorded live stream of the exact same panel. I genuinely think... That was extremely cool of them that they did not have to do at all. That one could have easily just been what they do for every panel, which is you just hover on Twitter for an hour and wait for some fun news to trickle out. But nope, they just did a regular pre-recorded show for the public outside of Otakon. They did not have to do that at all. That was extremely fucking cool of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely appreciate that. Plus, they also got to have film themselves on camera, and Mike Toole got to be there because yeah. he wasn't there because he was in Australia. Yeah, I was there for uh, the World Cup. And uh, to note, uh, yes, Discotech did get their Twitch account uh, taken care of after <laughs> the incident from last time. I, <laughs> it's still really funny. Oh, Christ. So, yeah, uh, we shall start with uh, something... That has been on the back burner um, to be released on Blu-ray for mm, about 10 years. Overman King Geiner. Wait, has it really been 10 years? Yeah, uh, when doing some research on this, we have to go back 10 years to Otakon 2013. When the Sunrise Vault was opened, and it, uh, both Funimation and Sentai had a, quite a meaty haul. Funimation got a lot of things, and they released pretty much everything they got. Uh, Sentai got a lot of things, and they released Big O. So, it is worth remembering that it took Funimation four to five years to release every single thing they got out of the Bandai deal. Sentai put out the one they really wanted, and... Pretty much everything else included in that deal has since lapsed. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted Sega Pain and Turn Copy, and I'm sad. So I have good news for you, Jet. 
Between Scryed and now Overman King Gainer, I think Disco Deck is going to be how we get the rest of those titles picked up. That'd be nice. So yeah, I had never seen Overman King Gainer before. That opening is kind of fantastic <laughs> and also really funny. Yeah, it's uh, one of those uh, catchy openings with uh, everybody uh, doing the monkey for some reason. Fuck it, whatever. Yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah, this is going to be released on Blu-ray after 10 years of planning. It's an HD upscaled Requiem Sunrise. It will have both stereo and surround sound Japanese audio, with an e- the English dub included. I did not know this had an English dub, but it's a mid-2000s Bang Zoom dub starring Daryl Gilbo, which is not a name you've heard in a long time. In many moods. Not in many moods. But yeah, no, I, I'd fucking buy this. This one actually looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Also, the character design looks extremely familiar, and I'm trying to place it. Is it... Jed, is that a Rekka 7? Um, it looks like it. Okay. And this is also... This is created by Tomino, and the writer is also the Gundam Witch for Mercury guy. How yeah. about that? Yeah. Ichiro Okuchi, also responsible for... Uh... Among many things, Planetess and Skate the Infinity. The lesbian community has chosen to forgive him for his crimes regarding Code Geass. <laughs> oh, and uh, yes, uh, by the way, uh, yes, Kenichi Yoshida, character designer on the show, uh, same with Erica Seven. Okay, yes, it, it did look very familiar. That helps, thanks. Yeah, no, this looks neat. I'm probably going to get this one on a sale. Mm-hmm. Very, 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 very good. We shall carry on with uh, something for all you Fox Kids uh, kids out there. Cyber Six. There's a new hero in town. Who are you? She's got brains, beauty, and superhuman strength. Created for evil. I must destroy her. Now she's fighting for good. Capture, you worthless mutant! Cyber 6, all new next Saturday morning at 7.30, only on Fox Kids. Try to catch me, little boy. She's going to change the face of superheroes everywhere. So the fun thing about how long I've been doing this stuff is that I have not followed a lot of discotheque media's, like, early history. Because I've only really been following anime like this closely within the past decade or so. So, this is my discovering of like, oh shit, this is a new license, only to find out, no, Discotech had uh, Cyber 6 already. This is an upscale re-release. Uh, yeah, like, I haven't seen Cyber 6 at all, but like, as soon as I saw the montage, I was like, oh wow, that's, that's Cyber 6, that's cool. It is an aggressively distinct style. Yes. This this was, uh, I believe, a yeah, uh, Japanese, Canadian, Argentinian uh, co-production. What a wild uh, cultural uh, cultural clash! Yeah, it was a it was a TMS production and apparently a pretty expensive one at the time, considering this aired on Fox Kids of all places. Th- this looks expensive. I can see that. Yeah, so yeah, it's an upscale. Uh, it will have the original pilot, audio commentaries, uh, art galleries, and TV promo clips. I want to 
say they'll be from Fox Kids. I'm not entirely certain. But there will also be rare development documents on the disc. You gotta put it in a computer with a Blu-ray drive if you want to find them. Because it's just there's just too many to actually print out. That's fair. That's still really cool. Very, very cool. And so we go to the vault, uh, quote-unquote, for a reason that we'll get to in just a moment, with a pair of restorations that have been uncovered to be released over here and possibly over in Japan at some point, too, because that's just what they do now. So two things they mentioned during the stream. One, going off of what you mentioned, they straight-up confirmed during the uh, Twitch pre-recording Japan is using their upscale restorations for their own re-releases now. Which, you know what? That's fucking free. You want a good-looking thing that's gonna be better than anybody else in Japan's gonna do? Fucking, just use the discotheque guy's work. It's fucking incredible. Might as well. Secondly, they actually gave us a name now of the company that runs the Media Vault. One, Tokyo Gonzo Show. They credited them and mentioned that they have a lot of, like, unused masters materials from a lot of other Japanese companies. And that's pretty cool. And I want to give Tokyo Gonzosho the shout-out they deserve, because just kind of sitting on a mountain of media treasure like that is fucking cool. Certainly is. And we, uh, we're getting the prime cuts here with Midnight Eye Goku. A fantastic 80s piece of 80s schlock from the incredibly twisted minds of Yoshiaki Kawajiri and Boichi Terosawa. I can't unsee the I can't unsee what they said and we're like, oh god, it's just a blazer with a fucking tie. That thing's gotta be sweltering. <laughs> Nothing says badass like a smoking jacket and smoking sunglasses. And also Steve Bloom. Yes. Well, one of them. Yeah, to note. Uh, again, first time on Blu-ray. First, it's a full film negative scan. It has both the U.S. Urban Vision dub, which has the bloom in it, and the Manga UK dub included. Apparently, this has far less profanity than they were expecting. How about that? I think it's very funny, because at this point, Monica UK is associated with excessive swearing in their dubs, and they're like, this is shockingly cleaner than we were anticipating. <laughs> but hey, it's got two dubs. That's rad. Yeah, very rad. Mm-hmm. Very, very rad. And along with that, we have another uh, title getting restored. Crying Freeman. This also looks really nice. Yeah, it's one of those um, saucy for different reasons kind of titles. Yep, I I remember watching that OVA. It is spicy. Yeah. Mm. Again, first time on Blu-ray, full HD restoration from the the film negative. It has both the US streamlined dub and the apparently very rare manga UK dub, which was not included in prior releases from anyone. And it has vintage trailers and quote the weird stuff Streamline and Manga UK did with their VHS releases. And yes, it is completely uncut, so if you're getting everything here. You're getting all that juicy goodness. Yeah, and there is a note here from Media OCD's David Miranda. Somebody asked on the uh, Blu-ray forum, how did the original negatives get scanned without communication hassles with Toei? The answer, 
Toei Video themselves scanned and restored them in Japan while they commissioned and oversaw, same way as joint work with Tokyo Lab. Hmm. So yeah, uh, very cool that they're just straight up working with these publishers now, scanning the stuff and making it look fucking immaculate. It is very nice. All right, we have a Lupin update here. We're we're getting we're running out of TV specials. We have another one here. Seven Days Rhapsody. This one I'm told they say is one of the better ones, but this is still a uh, this one's just going to be Japanese with English subtitles only. Yeah, it's a sub only deal. Don't don't know why. Uh, this is the 2006 TV special. I I think it. it I'm not sure what. Uh, what metric uh, TMS uses of which specials and shows to dub and which ones they don't. But they did also mention episode zero. They commissioned themselves because they really wanted that one to get the dub cast, which. Yeah, uh, I would say I feel like a general leap policy seems to be that specials probably aren't worth it. But it, it, it does feel like the specials are just kind of seen as a little more. I, I guess expendable. Or, or I guess it's just a matter of like they're they're a little more of a, a Russian roulette of quality. Eh. Either way, uh, we're getting this one, and we have a number. Yes, we we are now five specials remaining. So keep an eye out. Five left to go. Yeah, time for some live action stuff here. I. Uh, Kind of. Is it? Sort of. It's complicated. I'll I'll try to explain. But the first one on deck is a very, very bizarrely weird title from, of all people, Mamoru Oshii. Tachigui, The Amazing Lies of the Fast Food Grifters. Please try to explain what this one is, because this is... This is... Very hard to explain. It is part of the Kerberos saga, aka Jinro. It is, as it says here in the bullet points, incredible alternate reality noir inspired by episode 99 of Urusa Yatsura. Sure? It is called Super Live Mation, which combines photos with puppetry animation. It is narrated by one Koichi Yamadera and features Toshio Suzuki from Studio Ghibli, Mitsuhisa Ishikawa from Production IG, Shoji Kawamori, and Kenji Kawai as actors. Not creative staff, actors. It is very hard to actually explain what this movie is. It's something you just have to see for yourself. This feels like a mockumentary of, like, criminal dine and dashers. Which, this is maybe one of the weirdest things I've ever seen at a discotheque day. <laughs> which, like, I, I watch a lot of Japanese bullshit. I know there's a lot of weird things. I know there's a lot of weird, like, I get there's a lot of grindhouse, gory Japanese movies, and I'm like, holy shit, but this is... I don't know what this is. 
this is the eleven. This is why I love discotheque days because it's like being in a film history class where you learn about a bunch of weird shit that nobody's ever heard of before, and everybody in your class is going, "What the fuck is this?" But you're just sitting there entranced at this is the weirdest thing you've ever seen, and you kind of want to see more. Right. So yeah, I kind of want to see more of this fucking insane bullshit. Good on you, Discotech Day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't know what I could really say about this, but considering we're now going into this strange postmodern type of stuff, I am, off, I am issuing a challenge to the people at Discotech. There is a film called Love and Pop, made in 1998 by Hideaki Anno. It was one of his first things he did after Evangelion in 97. This was shot on digital cameras with very weird aspect ratios and cropping. It's it's a very strange kind of experimental coming-of-age film, it says here on Wikipedia. If anyone out there knows what I'm talking about, uh, you know this is a weird movie. This has been released before over here uh, by someone. Discotech, I want you to find this movie, restore it, and release it. You have proven to me you can do anything. All right, bet. Let's, let's see them work their stuff. Yeah, and if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, go look at uh, Ben at the Sage's recent uh, Evangelion video. He talks about this movie. Go in blind. Thank me later. Alright. Yeah, okay. What else and we got? We also have an update on the bullet train. This one has been delayed, but for good reason. There has been a fresh color correction applied to this movie with a uh, improved translation. Ooh. And a reconstructed international version in English with this new color-corrected footage. Of course there is. It's a very yeah. sharp improvement. Well done, people. Sadly, they couldn't get Brad Pitt in there. Well, considering this movie was made like almost 50 years ago, I think it would have been a little difficult to do. Fair. I mean, it's not <laughs> like replacing Sebastian Shaw with Hayden Christensen, which was stupid! Alright. <sighs> so yeah, and then after this, we had a message from uh, Mike Tool from Upside Down Land, aka Australia. The Down Under. Yeah, and he was there to introduce a title to all of us that, uh, in various ways, is truly, truly, Kenuff. It's Charles Man Ken on Blu-ray. You're going to buy it anyway. It's going to look awful. You're still going to buy it. Amazing. Man, I watched Charles Man Ken several years ago at, I want to say it was Anime Fest, with a bunch of friends, and it was... It was one of the strangest, most visceral things I've ever seen. Uh, Mike Tool always loves to bring it up at his worst uh, anime panel, and it's it's a surreal experience every step of the way. Yeah, uh, Dynamite in the Brain is just permanently easier than you might remember. It's the most... <laughs> Oh, this man just died. <laughs> like they, they they didn't solve the problem. They're like, I can't help you. 
dead. <laughs> I, I, I was like jaw struck. Um, I, I don't even think they did this themselves. I think Japan made their own Blu-ray restoration. Am I correct? Apparently so. Amazing. But uh, yeah, and to quote Mike Tool here, Charles Man Kent is the ultimate in family entertainment. Oh, God. Hard to argue with that. <laughs> this is this is the anime equivalent of Kusuge, and I think everybody knows it. Well, I, I mean, I, I could actually pull up things that are far worse, but uh, uh, we'll see that for another time. But yeah, Charge Man can on Blu-ray. You're gonna fucking buy it. Yeah. Uh, Discotech also took some time to straight up mention because they know we are on shaky X marks the spot ground right now. Uh, we're all trying to figure out what's going to work best once uh, the uh, the former bird app finally implodes. Like, this fucking platform right now, it's like my car. It's not dead, but it's really close. Yet it just refuses to keel over and crash. But they are basically saying uh, we are revitalizing social media platforms we don't use because discotech is for up until now has basically just been facebook and twitter yeah but they are uh they're making clips on tiktok uh they have a threads account and they also have a website you can sign directly for a email newsletter and we'll be relaunching their youtube very soon fantastic also give giving a shout out to making a fake logo for galactic Galactic Defender Linguini, they fucking know. Yeah, they know. They're in, they're in on the joke now. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about it, but I think it's a net positive. But uh, yeah, and that we then uh, wow, I just stumbled that up. Okay, 4K times. While I'm trying to get to, we had a new uh, 4K title get uh, revealed, but this is going to require some music to lead us into. And I know how to do it. Let's blast them bones. How about Street Fighter 2, the animated movie on 4K Blu-ray? That is pretty damn dope. And not only is this damn dope, I, I, this looks incredible. Hmm. <sighs> And I'm not just talking about the shower scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's there. Of course, it will be there. Which, which shout out to uh, putting the Eastern Star Media logo directly over uh, Chun's buns. <sighs> oh, yeah. Um, yes, this is coming out on 4K Blu-ray. Full HDR transfer. Uh, note from uh, here, Justin almost died erasing all the dust and dirt. Jesus Christ. Yes, and then, yes, all the language and dub options are being carried over onto here, which means you're going to get the uncut dub, the censored dub, and whatever other dub they found. And and this also means uh, all of the Sony licensed music, which means you're going to get KMFDM and Alice in Chains and Korn. 90s was a fucking wacky time for anime. Yeah, and for this title especially, it was released by some offshoot of Sony Music first, and the, that DVD was just terrible quality. 
I believe it. I mean, it was 1997, but, you know, still. What a fantastic leap this will be. But, uh... So, has there been as many re-releases of the Street Fighter 2 movie as there have been of the Street Fighter 2 game? Well, mm, I wouldn't say that much, but, uh, I mean, this this will be a worthwhile upgrade compared to, uh... Oh, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I feel like this is a movie that's been around for a long time and has been released plenty. As is the as is tradition with one Street Fighter two. That's that does look like a sexy transfer though. I, I think I gotta get this. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it. Okay, now we have to uh go to the opposite of this, the SD on Blu-ray at camp. With Lady Georgie. So this is an eighties shoujo romance series in Australia. Sure! I had never heard about this, but a friend of mine who's very into a lot of, like, old-timey shoujo stuff saw this and freaked the fuck out. So I think that means this is a good one. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Yep, first time released in the U.S. It's everything on SD Blu-ray. It has a subtitled translation courtesy of native Australian translator Jonathan Gamera, so you know you're going to get the authentic experience here. They did not have to do that at all, but that's extremely neat and novel that they got an Australian guy to translate a show that takes place in Australia. Mm-hmm. That's pretty goddamn neat. It is. Then we got to look at some of their uh, upcoming releases. We talked about uh, the last couple months on prior episodes. We're just going to skip ahead to October. This is what's coming out in October. It's more than two titles. Oh yeah, so they is uh, they directly said we are now releasing as much anime as a lot of the big players in the industry are now mentioning that a lot of big players are actually decreasing the amount of uh, titles they're releasing per month, which was a very undercut slightly overt call out to our good friends at Crunchyroll. Uh, more on that in a moment, but, um, yeah, here's what's coming out in October. We have Cyber 6, Midnight Eye Goku, Odyssey TV Collection 3, Monster Z Part 1, and The Wonderful World of Puss in Boots from 1969. I think they also confirmed that Odyssey Collection 3, after this, there is one more, and then that is the entirety of the original Odyssey on Blu-ray. Yep. But yeah, the original series plus all the movies at this point. That's pretty goddamn cool. It mm-hmm. is very wonderful. And yeah, this certainly fills out the uh, the criteria for being an El Grande Discotheque Day, uh, day. Although there was one thing that didn't get approved in time for this event. So we'll have to wait uh, for the next one to hear what that's all about. I think they said that they're probably going to have at least one more for the year. Could be like between any time between October to December, it sounded like. So I'm very excited to find out what was the rad thing that wasn't able to get improved in time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Uh, whatever it is. Whatever it is, it will be at the next one. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that was a good haul. Yeah, and of course, uh, the, the messages and lessons of these panels are simple. Physical media is good, and you know the internet is also good as well. Sometimes it's good to have both. Put that feather in your cap, why don't you? And we end things off on here with this panel with uh, the one more thing. Digimon Adventure Zero Two. So they did mention that there was going to be more Digimon at this panel. That was like one of the more overt things they said there would be a Digimon update. Because Digimon's fucking huge. That's a good license to get. Yeah. And they know it. Yeah, it's coming out on Blu-rays when it's ready. It's another Asherah's upscale because, you know, they just they know how to make it look good. They also had to recut the original Japanese footage to make the English version look better? Yeah, apparently, uh, the English masters, be it from Fox or Saban or Disney or whoever else, were uh, either broken or missing. So they just rebuilt it from the ground up with the Japanese video footage. So uh, I don't like to uh, pull behind the curtain too much on these things because I do have, like, a professional career and stuff that I do outside of this podcast, outside of my other stuff online. One of my old companies was very much a middleman, like, media prep company that uh, worked with a lot of uh, companies, licensors, uh, distributors to basically put their shows on other streaming platforms around the world, or a lot of, like, uh, digital stores like Microsoft, Amazon, iTunes, etc. One of the few times I was able to work on anime was Digimon Adventure 02. And let me tell you, that show looked like shit! Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at these uh, composite video image comparisons. Oh, this looks so bad. I, I, I literally, like, this is what I remember working on. This level of quality. This looks incredible. Genuinely incredible that they were able to make this look this good. Oh my god. This, this might as well be fucking magic. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's fucking, wow. This looks incredible, and, ev- and they're like... We want to die every time we work on this, but we know it's going to be so worth it. <sighs> and yeah, you should buy this. I I just bought uh, the first season, English season of Digimon Adventure off of the the right stuff sale. So yeah, just support that shit because yeah. this looks immaculate. Mm-hmm. I, I bought a couple of things as well, but not that. I'm not quite ready to open that Pandora's box quite so soon, but... Maybe in time, but uh, yeah, this is a, a very good uh, progression of uh, things to come for uh, fans of the franchise here. Yeah. And that was their uh, panel. So, all in all, a pretty, pretty strong showing at Discotech, but uh, I gotta be honest, I feel like last year they had a little more of a... Uh, a bit of a kick with their just one more announcement because because they kind of already alluded that digimon was going to be there and it's like okay we did digimon adventure 
let's end on Digimon 02. I'm like, that. that's that's cool. I'm glad they're doing it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it doesn't really have the right gravitas or what the fuckitude as Gunbuster mm-hmm. did. So a little bit of a letdown there. Yeah. Well, uh, fortunate for all of us, um, they had another panel there. A screening panel. A mysterious screening. Yes, and uh, as uh, we were on the outside, we got the details as they came in, and we found out these people are absolutely fucking insane. These mad lads at Discotech Media are releasing the Digimon movies. Plural. Plural? Yeah. A bit of a history lesson for some of you folks out there. Uh, most of you out there know know what I'm about to tell you. Uh, some of you don't. Back in the year 2000... Fox, as in 20th Century Fox, and Saban released what they called Digimon the Movie, a very strange recontextualization slash Frankensteining of three basically short films. As was the style at the time. Yeah, they basically re-edited Digimon Adventure, the movie, our war game, and Hurricane Touchdown, three shorter films, in quotation marks, considering some of the lengths, into what was basically a feature-length movie. As uh, you see, in 1999, the first Pokemon movie released in theaters. That made a lot of money, and Fox wanted in on that. Granted, it didn't make as much money, and it was also a very weird re-edit that uh, hasn't aged particularly well in some aspects, namely with the soundtrack. It's been one week since you looked at me. (laughs) That same song was in American Pie. Also, shout out to our buddy Spaceman Hardy, who could fucking sing that song, like, at karaoke from memory. It's like, wildest thing I've ever seen. So, what they're doing they're releasing these original Japanese movies with new English dubs with the classic cast. So amazing. So I, I've mentioned uh, them before. Uh, a person by the name of Marissa Lenti. Uh, they are a regu- they are a voice actor and a regular director with Sound Cadence Studios. We've mentioned them several times, especially in relation to their work on Discotech. Uh, recently spearheading the uh, Gunbuster dub project. The other thing to know about One Marissa Lenti, they are a Digimon super fan. Yeah, and uh, do want to note, I do recall it was like a... I don't know, I didn't even want to say it was Speedbuster, maybe like, I don't know, like a year ago or so. Uh, so I did recall just like randomly seeing Joshua Seth Benson, like, oh, hey, like, I've been. I'm directing something with Sound Cadence. So, yeah, I've been getting back into the anime scene doing something with Sound Cadence. And, like, and at the time, I didn't think much of it. I'm like, oh, wow, it's cool. Joshua Seth is doing stuff. And then, as, like, uh, this was winding down, and, like, they met, and this content mentioned, oh, we're doing something cool to Unicorn, I went, like, wait a minute. 
Yeah, he yeah, Joshua Seth mentioned to, to keep an eye out for it, which like, yeah, he knew more Digimon was coming, but like why would he in particular be this invested? So here's the deal. Of the original Digimon Frankenstein release, 40 whole minutes of footage was never dubbed. So in releasing the original three movies as they were presented, it presented them with an opportunity to dub those movies straight up. And what Marissa Lenti has done is basically insane going the extra mile. If we like to give a shout out to for uh Discotech Media for going above and beyond, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to Marissa Lenti and Soundcaden Studio for going above and beyond. Yes. Along with I'm sorry I don't know your last name. I'm just going to call you uh Mark from Discotech Media who also runs a site called withthewill.net. So, yeah, that's apparently a surprise, too. This apparently has been in the works for quite a while, and none of us knew. They have been working this on and off for the better part of, like, five years. Probably a lot of that's been pre-production, but it sounds like the dub itself has done proper recording for at least, like, over a year now. Um, yeah, and now this is running for another thing from, like, I remember, like, it was maybe a few months ago when we were still wondering when Digimon 2020 was going to come out. Like, I remember Zeno Robinson was like, man, I'm waiting for this to come out and that other thing. And at the time, <laughs> I figured the other thing was like, okay, it's probably maybe some random, other random toy thing that maybe soundgate has gone. And now we know what it is. Now we know what it is. <laughs> and what it is, is effectively the Digimon English cast is returning redubbing this with the original closer a little closer to the original japanese and like maybe 90 to 95 percent of everybody that could be back is back from the Mm -hmm. original but before we before we we move on to that bit because that's gonna be that's gonna be a discussion in and of itself it will be also to note about this uh planned release the Fox slash Saban Frankenstein movie is also going to be included in HD for the first time ever, and uh, there's an interesting caveat to this. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who know, when this movie was first released, the fucking brain trust at Fox and Saban decided it would have been a really good idea to tack on a short to this movie of a bafflingly strange series from your your, uh, long-begotten childhood, if you're a 90s kid, called Angela Anaconda. It was terrible. Nobody liked it. I'm going to recite a very famous 4chan piece (laughs) regarding uh, this very bafflingly stupid decision. I was going to do it if you weren't. I'm glad you have this ready. I have it up here. Anonymous. This short caused my parents' divorce. Reply. Okay, you have my attention. How? Here's the story. Didn't know at the time that parents' relationship was rocky. I beg to go see Digimon movie. Parents agree, but I don't realize it's for them to spend some time together as well. 
gets his theater and excited about Digimon Flick. Can't even afford popcorn and drinks, which in the year 2000 would have been $9. That, that's affordable nowadays. Anyway, yeah. pa- parents look happy. Angela Anaconda short comes on. Parents also don't speak very good English. My little boy mind can't comprehend all the fuck going on. Parents are utterly confused by this Canadian fuck running around in a Digimon suit. I start crying and they pull me out of the theater. Mom and Dad start blaming each other for going to the wrong film. Dad throws away the popcorn Mom wanted. Lots of arguing and I'm still crying. Gets out the parking lot and drive off in a rush. Get into accident in parking lot. Dad moves out a month later. Fucking bitch of a whore, Angela Anaconda ruined my life. So, while this is, in fact, an Everything in the Kitchen Sink release and redub, Angela Anaconda will, in fact, not be included. Yeah, Justin Zavakis basically said, not available. It's for the best. Nobody wants this horror being brought back to life. Yeah, it is worthy that he mentioned that they did, in fact, try. They did try, uh, but it sounded like the rights were just turned up. I guess they couldn't wrestle in for the best. The the rights were just held up by a bunch of weird shit, and they're like, "It's, it's not worth it. I mean, look, the fact that we're even getting the original movie alongside this new dub, that is the best of both worlds scenario. Because as great mm-hmm. as it is to get the original O-cast back to do something a little closer to the original Japanese feature films, to have the original Frankenstein nostalgic film, but in cleaner and with the soundtrack, which I think they straight up said, as long as they don't cut anything or use any of that music to advertise it, it's fair game. Yeah, I mean... That- I mean, I'm pretty sure that's how they got away with it for uh, Street Fighter 2, because there is quite a bit of licensed music in here. And in this case, we have Smash Mouth, Fatboy Slim, Len, Bare Naked Ladies, and the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. What? The year 2000 was weird. (laughs) Holy shit. God, that's incredible. So, uh, yeah. So where do I go with this now? Well, but b- before you do that, I w- I will lead you into this and tell you all that yes, this will be all in one complete set. But uh, huh? Apparently, I misspoke earlier. Apparently, this is Digimon Movie Collection One. What? What? Well, uh, yeah, that's an interesting wrinkle because. Remember, there are movies for the other entries up to at least Sabres, maybe Frontier. I don't know if Frontier had any movies. Oh! Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Oh, sh- Oh! Yeah. Wow! Oh, man. Uh, it's So, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, if there are any undubbed Digimon series that are not, like, 50-plus episode long, give them to Marissa Lenti and Soundcaden Studio. They're gonna do some fucking bangers. Uh, yeah, sure, just, uh, you, you can leave Young Hunters alone, guys. Yeah, just, you, you can leave that alone. It, 
It, it can say very. But I want to give a shout out and directly read Marissa Lenti's comments off the reveal. I can't believe my dream project is finally real. I was the director, one of the producers, and in charge of scripts for these three Digimon films. Also, I voiced Sora's mom. My favorite franchise of all time. Thank you, Discotech and the OG cast, for making this perfect. They also proceeded to post a picture of them with all of the Digimon plushies they brought and all of the <laughs> shit that they raided from the dealer's hall. And then they proceeded oh, to go good. back and get even more. <laughs> That's and so let's go a little into this. Because this actually is a long, interesting conversation to have, but I'm going to try and make this relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we mention the caveat of this cast first or after? Uh, I think we should mention them after. I, let's at least go into okay. Uh, okay. The, okay. the good first. Okay. Everybody that needs to be back, for the majority of them, are back. Joshua Seth is back. Mona Marshall is back. Laura Jill Miller is back. Uh, Michael, how, how do you say that? Yeah, my, uh, Michael Rays. Rays. Michael Rays is back. Uh, uh, Brian Donovan is back. Colleen Oshakase, Peggy O'Neill, Michael Sorek, and like many, many other people. Many other people are back. Mm-hmm. Jeff Nimoy, Doug Erholt, Dorothy Fawn, Bob Bukholz. Everybody who needs to be here is here. With the caveat that this is a cast that was originally around in a dub in 2000 and 2001, there are some people in the cast who are no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Notably, uh, the talents like Fully Sampler as uh, Mimi, Michael Lindsay as uh, Joe, as well as some other talents like Bob Pappenbrook, uh, Joseph Pilato, Mike Reynolds, and uh, Robert Axelrod. Mm-hmm. So they are listed in loving memory in the staff for these films. And what they did do is that the goal of this was to voice match for these characters and to make them sound like the original actors as if they were still there. Uh, most notable ones are uh, Elsie Lovelock is stepping in, taking over for the role of Mimi. She very much spoke very highly about how much that meant to her and like how dear that was to be to do that. An actor named Ellie Farmer is filling in for the role of Joe. Um, another character that Felice Sampler played in uh, Digimon 02. Uh, Cody is now being played by Madeline Doro. And this one is, this is not because the voice actor has passed away. It is because Marissa Lenti literally tried every single thing in the book to try and contact Yo Lee's original actor and came up completely short. So... Yo Lee is now being played and voice matched by Jessica Peterson. I also want to give one particular shout out to a notable casting in here, specifically the role of Red Greymon 
in the first Digimon Adventure movie. That was originally played by the late, great Bob Pappenbrook. Stepping in and playing the role for this new dub 20 years later is his son, Bryce Pappenbrook. He writes, When I lost my dad 17 years ago, I decided to dedicate my life to voice acting in his honor, to carry on the torch for him. To voice Red Greymon in the new dub of the Digimon Adventure movie is the literal manifestation of that goal. We used my dad's voice as the vocal ref, and I did my best to honor his original performance. Thank you so much to Marissa Lenti and Discotech Media for the opportunity and thoughtful casting. It means so much to me. Wow, that's, that's really touching. I'm glad, yeah. glad I got to do it. I think that in itself is also its own encapsulation to how much love, hard work, and effort went into the casting and trying to get the band back together. But it actually goes even slightly further than that. There's several people in this cast. Uh, Steve Bloom is the biggest one that comes to mind, but there are several other actors in this cast who are now union-only actors. Mm-hmm. Sound Cadence and Discotech Media do not and have not done any union dubs prior to now. This is their first union project. Quite a big one to start off with. Marissa Lenti straight up told me themselves that, like, I know it, it would have been a little extra work and a little extra money, but for something like Digimon, it was worth it. It really was. To go the extra mile and put that time, money, and elbow grease into something like this is genuinely fucking incredible. Mm-hmm. So, whatever you do, buy this fucking release. Yes. Just fucking... It, this is... This is what a Digimon fan deserves. Mm-hmm. It is quite literally everything. So, shout-outs to Discotech. Shout-outs to Marissa Lenti. Sound Cadence, and all of the band that came back mm-hmm. together for this. Yeah. This is... This is incredible. Genuinely fucking cool. It, it is way above and beyond. And before I get to my final point, uh, we just say, as I'm making a very terrible joke, if you're not going to buy it for all those reasons, buy it for the fact that they restored all of the dub gags, like... Uh, this message here saying that the United States just launched two nuclear missiles and that the Aboromon is in the Pentagon's computers. Apparently, that was something they added to make Willis part of the movie. That was originally just some no-name middle schooler that originally emailed that to them. Uh, <laughs> these people do very good work. and um... Go buy Mamoru Husoda's quintessential film that he went to remix twice throughout the entirety of his career. <laughs> yeah. First in Summer Wars, secondly in Bell. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we talked, we've mentioned uh, Crunchyroll and how little they're, they're doing. They're getting shown up by a company whom 
in the grand scheme of things, is considered to be microscopic compared to a billion-dollar enterprise. This is what frustrates me about the Crunchyroll of today. They have become so privatized and corporatized. They've completely lost the plot. They are putting someone like Mike McFarland on dubbing producing duties for a goddamn isekai show. Not only just an isekai, like he's done those before, but they got him for the same day simul dub of a fucking isekai show. Meanwhile, Discotech Media, a company with a frankly mysterious unknown benefactor handling all the business ends that's practically run by a commune of dedicated fans who have put in way more work than any one company should have to ask of anybody but these people do it for the love of it if Crunchyroll is like WWE and they're making money hand over fist in spite of shady backstage politics and, quite frankly, a, an unappealing product that, while it appeals to the masses, really, it, it's just not that compelling in the grand scheme of things. Discotech is out here like AEW. They're not as big. They don't get as many people showing up to them. But they're putting in the work, and they're delivering the goods for a dedicated, die-hard audience. You look at what these people are doing from top to bottom and tell me, tell me they're not up there on the totem pole next to these big companies. Keep up the good work, Discotech. We love it. To Discotech, Marissa Lente, Soundcadence. Hats off to you. This is, as soon as that pre-order goes up, this is an immediate buy. If Discotech can arrange a union dub production, what's your fucking ex excuse, Crunchyroll? Mm -hmm. All right. And with that, I think that's, a, that's as good a way as we're going to wrap this up. Yes. That was a very big way to close things out. Couldn't have seen that coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a pretty that's a good way to end your big Otakon discotheque day. That's that's more what I'm fucking talking about. Yeah. So any final words before we head out of here for a little while? I'm kind of I'm as excited as I am scared to know what else these mad lads are working on. <laughs> Who knows at this point? Oh, also, uh, it is the summer con season, so if you're going to those, please be fucking careful. COVID's coming back with a vengeance. Be smart about it. Yeah. Try your hardest to avoid people, like I do. Yeah, you were telling us that you somehow avoided COVID for, like, three and a half years Again, earlier. I like don't know what I'm doing right. All my years of being a, a social recluse have finally paid off. Christ. Oh, oh, wait, there is one more thing I want to mention before we close out. Uh, I need to give a shout-out to Marissa Lenti for doing something pretty fucking ingenious that I literally have not seen anybody else do. Make a fake name for the SAG-AFTRA listing so people wouldn't be able to figure out the license. That is brilliant, yes. Because on the SAG-AFTRA database, 
The project was under the name Back to the Beginning, which is apparently a reference to something that is said in the third movie. They're very clever. I, I just appreciate doing the 4D chess to try and specifically outsmart our favorite uh, Australian who is on the hunt from the SAG afternoon ninjas. <laughs> uh, shout outs to you, John. Uh, fantastic stuff. So, uh, yeah, that will do it. So, thank you for listening to Podcast LA. Oh, God damn it. Fuck the ending. We're done. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah,